Hello and welcome everyone to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I am your program host and today we're going to do something a little different so let's say hello and a big warm welcome to our guest co-host Dalton Grover. Dalton? Thanks for having me Patrick. I'm excited to be here. Hey, well, you know, it was uh, you were, uh, I, you know, there was actually a lot of uh, put the request out on Twitter for a guest co-host, and there was a lot of action. But you were like, you know, uh, Janie on the spot, and uh, you were the first one to answer and say you wanted to do it. And so here you are um, on the. This is the 99th episode of the SUAS News Podcast series. Um, we haven't done one since December, and it's not because we don't want to do one. It's just uh, we're low on time. Mr. Robinson is actually either on his way to China or in China today, so that's why you're here. Um, You have some big boots to fill standing in for Mr. Robinson. But uh, maybe, Dalton, you could tell us a little about yourself and your title. I noticed your title, you are the Dronologist, so maybe you could enlighten us. Yeah, of course. Uh, Well, Patrick, currently I work for a company called PCS Adventures, and we develop high-quality STEM education for K-12 kids. So the past few years, we've really been working hard to incorporate drones into our curriculum line. Um, So recently I led the development of a digital learning app called Dronology. Um, It teaches any new drone users um, basic piloting skills, flight ethics and safety, as well as current laws regarding the use of drones. So, you know, once you complete this app, we call, um, we call it that you've achieved your dronologist status and you're pretty much ready for flight. Um, you know, the goal of it is to create a more educated and prepared drone pilot community. Well, that's a very good goal because that's kind of right in line what we do at SUS News. That's that's really kind of our ethos is to try and educate the whole community is that we feel that the rising tide lifts all boats. And so that's everything we do. I like your idea that you're doing the the STEM uh thing. Uh, we didn't I don't know if you saw that, but we have a STEM grant going and the deadline to enter for that is uh March thirty first. But uh, we believe in, I'm more of a STEAM guy. I like to throw the A in there for arts because I think that the artists are, um, we need the artist in there for design. A lot of times I see, uh, you know, you see engineers design a product and you're like, ooh, that's, it's nice, it's it's nice, but it doesn't look what I would call like a uh, consumer product. So you might want to go back to the design board and, you know, put the bells and whistles on there. But that's a noble cause. So, uh, how long have you been uh, you've been doing this? What, what, give us a little background on yourself. Um, so, I'm actually a global studies major. I went to UC Santa Barbara, um, and then I returned to my hometown here in Boise, where you know I scored an awesome job here at this STEM education company. So, the past uh, two years, I've really been um, kind of getting a lot of product knowledge, a lot of industry knowledge, and you know I was given the opportunity to head up that dronology. Uh, project. So, um, you know, I'm just lucky to have a lot of awesome opportunities here. And what do you think of the the whole drone, let's say, ecosystem? Do you think it's great? You you think, uh, what what do you think? Um, I do think it's great. Obviously, working in education, I see drones as an incredible platform that we can teach so many different STEM topics around. 
you know, in terms of recreational or commercial use outside of education, I also think there are just so many opportunities. And, um, you know, I just think people need to be careful. Um, I think that was one of the big driving forces behind the creation of Dronology is because so many people just want to go out and buy their first drone and they've got no idea what they're doing. So they either crash it or hurt somebody. Um, so I think that is, you know, the main issue is just people not knowing how to use them and how to be safe with them. I, I concur with that notion. And uh, that's going to segue into our guest, Mr. Jeffrey Antonelli. But before we go there, um, would you please be so kind as to give us your website address so people can go there and understand a little bit more about uh, Dronology? Yes, I'd love to. Uh, so it is dronology.tech. So it's just how it sounds. All right. Well, that's excellent, and uh, you know, I wish you luck with that. And again, if you guys have any uh, ever have any press releases that you want to try and get the word out about the good work that you're doing, um, send them over to us at SUS News, and we'd be happy to share those with the community. Anything that is of uh, value to the community we're interested in sharing. So keep that in mind, please. We will. Thanks. Okay. All right. Well, then, you know, without any further ado, let's bring on our guest, Mr. Jeffrey Antonelli from Antonelli Law. Uh, Jeff, could you please introduce yourself? Maybe give us a little short bio on how you got, uh, let's say, into the drones. Sure, Patrick. My name is Jeffrey Antonelli. Uh, my law firm in Chicago is Antonelli Law. I began, uh, well, first let me start with my lawyer career. I've been a lawyer for 15 years, uh, mainly in litigation, including federal courts. I started off doing uh, insurance work, insurance coverage work and litigation, and, and then got a client who basically served uh, computer data centers around America. And uh, that allowed me to grow uh, kind of my personal skill set as a lawyer and, uh, and launch my own firm. Um, a number of years ago, uh, when I was turning 40 years old, I asked my wife, uh, would you mind if I got something for my birthday? You know, I'm 40 years old. I should get something special. And uh, I think she was pleased to hear when I didn't say something silly like buying a Porsche when I said, I'd like to buy an RC plane. And uh, she said, sure, go ahead. And uh, I started that, and uh, that eventually led me into discovering the FPV uh, and drone technologies, which uh, just, just basically got me hooked. And since I own my own law firm, I decided, you know, this is just really uh, gets me uh, intellectually stimulated. I think there's an opportunity for me to do something I really like. And I started a drone law practice uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's that's great. And it is, you know, that is one thing in life, you know, if you can find something that you uh, are enjoy thinking about and doing it and add that into your career, man, that's uh I hop out of bed every morning, you know, thinking, God, this is great, you know. Um, I feel the same way. Drones have, have afforded me great opportunities. So let's, um, before we kind of delve in here, I do want to say for full disclosure that uh, your law firm, Antonelli Law, is the official SUS News Law Firm. And, you know, I, I know it's probably going to be hard for people to understand why a uh, a new site might need a law firm, but you know that's a that's a podcast for another time. Can you please tell us about the other services your firm offers and what where what your main focus is is turning towards? Sure. Well, as concerns drones, uh, we start off with FAA enforcement defense, which is definitely picking up this year in 2016. 
Um, and we're doing special or standard COAs for flights in restricted airspace or night operations or near airports, public agency COAs, and of course Section 333 petitions. Um, we're hoping that once the 2016 FAA Reauthorization Act is passed, we'll help uh, people fly beyond line of sight in nighttime operations. Um, aside from uh, the strict drone uh, niche, um, we're helping people who are already in the drone business do things like purchase agreements, independent contractor agreements, service agreements, meaning customer agreements, and privacy policies. Yeah, I know this is this is uh, this is probably turning into like kind of the lotus flower thing, where it just keeps giving and giving if you're in the law business. Because <laughs> you know, I think as people get into the drones, a lot of people are not business people, and then they start to realize, hey, wait a minute here, you know, there's like liability issues and privacy issues and business issues. <laughs> you know, that we may need we may need uh, to call in some professional services. Are, are you finding people kind of coming around to that? I think they are. Um, you know, the first thing I started doing when I started doing the 333 work uh, was telling people, you know, the first thing you have to do besides, you know, forming a corporation or an LLC is you've got to get commercial UAV insurance. And that's because I had a background doing litigation. And, uh, and I knew that, you know, uh, if you were relying on your regular business insurance or your general aviation policy, it wasn't going to cut it. They were going to file something called a, a duck action or uh, declaratory uh, judgment action where basically the, the insurance company would be able to skate by and you'd be left holding the proverbial bag. Um, so I think that's gotten a lot more press uh, in the past year and a half and people are wise to it. Um, and of course, there's a lot of it, other issues that we get into. Well, it's funny that you mention that because, you know, in the work we did with the RCAP, uh, we had uh, liability, third-party liability insurance for the drone was available in, I want to say, at least 2006. And people would always say, I don't need insurance. What do you need insurance for? And I said, well, <clears throat> I, don't, I, I can only speak from my experience. But, you know, after the, the, the litigation and the sheriff's knocking on the door and they're taking your house, you know, my wife is going to have problems with that. Your wife may be cool. Mine is going to have issues. Marital strife, so you do what you want. But, uh, yeah, it kind of cracks me up. A lot of people, you know, oh, I don't need insurance. You know, oh, really? Okay. You know, I mean, uh, this is a, uh, we live in a litigious society, let's say, but good good advice. Go get some liability insurance. And we got another guy that we recommend all the time for that and over there at Transport Risk. Terry Miller's a great guy. Um, so that's something people should look at. But anyway, let's talk about how many, um, the 333 exemptions, you know. Um, I, I kind of want to get into that. But let me just ask you first, how many 333 exemptions have you filed? We have filed a total of 88, and that's 63 original petitions and then 23 amendments, adding either new aircraft or additional intended uses. And have all of those been successful, or you know, some people didn't have their ducks in a row, or do you kind of weed people out? We, I mean, I, how does that work? We, we like to work that out on the front end, so we try to do all our work. Uh, gathering everything that's needed so the FAA doesn't come back to us asking for additional information. So thus far, knock on wood, we've never had a denial. And, uh, of course, we've had a bunch that are still waiting in the works. Uh, you know, the recent time, if you, if you uh, get approved today, that means you probably filed yours back in August and got on the docket in November. Um, so, you know, the queue is uh, long and ever-expanding. 
Okay, well, you know, that's true. And I, I have heard, you know, that it's fits and spurts and all the rest of that. But, uh, you know, another thing, you know, why I wanted to have you on here, as I had said earlier, you know, you're the official SUAS news law firm. I see, you know, all kinds of wacky 333 offers, gimmicks, claims, you know, uh, get a free house plant with every, you know, <laughs> exemption file. You know, whatever. And I'm not trying to deride anyone's offer. But I, I don't think a lot of folks understand uh, what's involved in this 333 thing. Can you, you know, tell us tell us what you, you're seeing out there? Well, we've taken a look at the market. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it's a dust spiral in terms of, uh, some of the low-rate offers I think some people are, are, are offering, I don't know, you know, what their product uh, entails, whether it's, you know, actually customize your, your operations or it's, it's a generic template. Uh, one of the things we, we wrote about on our blog, which, by the way, is dronelawsblog.com, is, uh, is talking about the fact that, you know, if you have an issue and your 333 petition was completely canned and unedited, it's not – it's not going to match what your actual operations are. And so you're going to have potentially both the FAA breathing down your neck and a problem with that insurance coverage that you thought you had. Um, we had a guest post by, uh, by Terry Miller of uh, Transport Risk that you mentioned before talking about the fact that, you know, these are, these are representations that you make to the insurance company as part of your package of uh, the, the, the insurance application. And so if it turns out that it was just a can. 333 petition and it doesn't look like what you're flying or how you're flying, you know, that's going to be a problem. Well, and I'm going to also add, because I'm going to throw some marginal legal advice in there, too. Uh, if you're going to do the cut and paste, make sure you put your name in there. <laughs> did you see that, where the guy did the cut, cut and paste 333 and he left the original <laughs> petitioner's name and address in there? I think I think it was the first or second one where uh, the original petitioner was uh, some kind of Air Force lieutenant general, uh, uh, lieutenant general, or colonel, and uh, yeah, that's a little embarrassing. Yeah, I thought that was good, and I liked uh, uh, Peter's uh, paper airplane. You know, that kind of it's got an aircraft there. But those, yeah, it's aircraft. That was that was pretty good. I like that one. You know, I keep asking the kids. You know, that's certified. Anyway. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk about it because you know this is another thing too. Is as we go and I, I I talk to a lot of people. That's part of my job here is talking on the phone. It's great. Um, talk to a lot of folks about these three thirty three things. And the question I've got is like, how many how many of these people you know that call understand that they need a pilot certificate? I have to tell you, I've spoken to you know hundreds, if not potentially a thousand people since we started doing it, and almost almost none of them can believe when we get to the point that they have to have, to have a manned pilot's license. And so, you know, probably 80% or 90% of the people I've spoken to decided not to go through with the 333 because um, of the pilot license certificate. Now, whether they you know copied and pasted and did themselves and uh, didn't get the pilot's license, uh, you know, we're not sure. But uh, but almost nobody can believe that it's true. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know that's one thing, and I you know you might or should follow the Twitter feed. You know, people uh, there are people that think that I'm you know this grumpy guy that keeps you know kind of pounding this this topic or subject. But it's just like, look, you know, um, you know, a lot of news outlets. Uh, it's like everybody's a drone expert, 
and they they put out a news story, you know, and they're driving. But a lot of the times they just don't mention the facts. It's like, oh, you go, you know, go get your three thirty three. Go ahead and go do it. You know, it's like, oh yeah, well you could get one, but you're still not going to fly legally uh, without a pilot's certificate. And people say, wait a minute, you need a you know a pilot's license to do this. So I've been asking around, and I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I've been asking around to, I would call them industry insiders, people that used to work um, at the FAA and you know, other places, yada, yada. And I say, hey, uh, how many out of the, I don't even know how many there are now. There's over 3,000, right? I, I, I think so. I mean, it changes so quickly. It might be 4,000. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I've been busy lately. But, uh, um, you know, the percentage of people that are operating legally when they're out there flying um, from the consensus that I get is anywhere from 10% to 20% of the people are probably operating legally. Some people even believe that the way that the exemptions put together, there's, it's really very difficult to operate legally. Do you have any comments on that? It is extremely difficult to be completely legal and, you know, fly with the intended purpose. So, uh, for example, the, the easiest thing to talk about, I think, is the 500-foot uh, the rule, which is basically staying 500 feet away from non-participants. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's pretty tough. I mean, for example, you know, the easy example is uh, the real estate uh, job in a subdivision. You know, are you, are, are you 500 feet from anyone walking around, uh, you know, in, in the neighbor's backyard? And do you have everyone's permission within 500 feet? Uh, that's hard. Uh, and then we've got our more technical clients that want to do things like, uh, you know, LIDAR and roadways and so forth. Um, can't do it uh, if you've got part, uh, public cars uh, whizzing by. Um, that's just one aspect of it. Um, you know, there's plenty of compliance uh, that's involved. There's plenty of reporting uh, every month. You've got to file NOTAMs and, uh, you know, flight, uh, flight plans and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then there's record keeping and reporting, and I mean it goes on till the cows come home. I, you know, and that's I, that's why I think uh, you know that consensus is uh, the numbers kind of low. Uh, again, you know, uh, you're not the first person to say that they talk to people and and uh, these people come in and they're they're just shocked. You need a pilot certificate. I mean, I already knew that. I thought about going to get one, and I, you know, I don't even want to. I've talked about this I, with I some other groups. Yeah, I, I I think I we mentioned this before. I had my whole firm go to uh, FAA ground school for uh, private uh, pilot's license, and uh, you know I don't know if there's more than ten percent of, uh, of of ground school that's you know probably applicable for commercial drone ops. Right. Well, the thing with me is, and I tried to explain to this other gentleman at a. Uh, let's say, an aviation community group that uh, I was never really uh, that hot to try to go get a pilot's license. You know, I've been, like, professionally uh, poking the bear, as it were, for the last mm, 12 years. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that would work out for me, you know. But it, it does uh, afford me, let's say, a little bit more leeway in my advocacy efforts uh, to not have a pilot's license, I believe, because it would... Uh, I might have a rough time with that. But anyway, whatever. Um, maybe you could take us through uh, the 333 exemption process to say if you were kind of talking to a potential climate client. And, I mean, I don't want you to give away the store, but, you know, I'm calling up. I'm, I'm Joe Bag of Donuts. Uh, I'm ready. I, I went out. I spent $50,000 on drones. I don't really know what I want to do yet, but I'm, 
I've read these uh, these forecasts, and I'm ready to cash in on my portion of the $90 billion. So, Mr. Antonelli, what do I do? You give us a call, or uh, sometimes people email us, and we, we talk to them. We give them a free initial consultation. We talk about the industry they're in, the potential uses, uh, the drones can be used for, the drones we're thinking of using. Um, oftentimes we talk about uh, the insurance issues, uh, regulatory issues, uh, you know, for example, if it's construction site, an OSHA or, or a mine, uh, privacy concerns. Um, we talk about whether or not the blanket COA is going to be good enough or do you have to fly higher than 200 feet from your airports and we have a nice discussion about standard COAs. Um, then once the client wants to hire us, uh, we give them the paperwork and, and an attorney agreement. Uh, we talk about if the drones are ready to fly or if it's a custom drone, then we have to go through all the systems. So radio controller, flight controller, telemetry, airframe, payload, lipos, gas, uh, all up weight. And then finally, if they need, you know, uh, closed set motion picture work, then you've got the MPTLM, uh, operations manuals. Uh, if it's easy, uh, we give them a template for them to edit to the actual operations. Or if it's very complicated, then uh, we give that to one of our uh, consultants. Um, and then we filed a petition, and we provided the docking information to the client. And then once approved, we let the client know and give them their 333 in COA. And so, because, you know, you were really kind of bunking my trip with that long laundry list of stuff that I needed as a client. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, do uh, people start falling off the bandwagon, let's say, <laughs> as you run down <laughs> that laundry list <laughs> Yeah, the first thing, uh, you know, I, I used to end with uh, the point about the manned pilot's license, and then I learned, you know, after enough uh, half-hour or hour conversations to start off with, have you heard about the pilot's license requirement? Um, and, and then we find out you, either it's a, it's a non-starter for them, which is what it usually is, or, or we talk about, uh, you know, hiring independent pilots as, uh, as, uh, as the pick for the, for the 333 operations. So, Well, so what are the other big where people fall off the turnip track. I mean, is it like, if you get past the pilot's license, most of those people are used to all of these things and they say, okay, or is it like, what? I got to write a, you know, um, you know, the motion picture manual. I, I got to write, you know, all of these operations and a maintenance manual and this and that. Jeez Louise to, you know, I'm going to go back and jump in the, uh, in the, in the 172 and forget all this. I mean, you hear it anymore? You know, it, it, the, the people that come to us that are already in the industry um, that, you know, whether it's cinema or, you know, oil and gas or something like that, you know, they already know um, that there's a lot of regulations and hoops to go through and they're pretty much prepared for it. Or, uh, you know, they're able to go with the flow once I tell them about it. It's the people who are saying, you know, hey, I want to start a business and I think drone sounds great. What do I got to do? They're just absolutely blown away. And oftentimes I have to try to coach them through the FAA website to tell them, I'm not just making this up. Here's the, you know, the FAA website. This is where it's at. And, uh, you know, all these regulations and requirements are the real deal. I'm not sure they all believe me. And, and so, but there's like other, I mean, I, I know you have a fee, but then there's the an other ancillary cost to get my, you know, let's say, uh, application in order or my business and other things. It sounds like it's a, it can get kind of involved. 
it, it can get involved. Uh, are you talking about the 333 or, or your operations after you have the 333? Uh, well, getting your 333 and getting up and running like Legal Eagle, you know. There, there's, it sounds like there's a few hurdles to jump through for, uh, you know, Joe Bag of Donuts. Well, I think if you want to do, do it the right way, um, I think there is. It doesn't have to be super complicated, um, but we want to make sure we, we talk to the client and make sure we understand exactly what they're, what they're going to do with it. Um, you know, so we don't miss anything. For example, if someone wants to do close set work and, you know, they don't tell us um, or we didn't bother to ask them, then they get an approval without uh, close set approval, and that, that would be a problem. So once they tell us that, yes, I want to do close set, then we talk about the MP2OM. And, you know, for some clients, it's actually not a big deal. We give them a template and say, you know, let's customize it for your particular operations. Um, sometimes it's not a big deal, but you know, for you know, large-scale work, uh, it's it is more complicated, and that's usually when we bring in a consultant to uh, go through some of the nitty-gritty details. That's good because you can need that uh, expertise. Okay, so let me ask you, and you may not be able to disclose this, but um, you know, everybody, oh, there's 300 uses for drones, you know, and I've always been like, well, we're never really going to know what all the uses for drones are until the thing becomes like legal because there's a lot of people out there thinking about a lot of applications. So any uh, exotic proposed uses that you could tell us about? Well, one of them that comes to mind was uh, wanting to use drones to inspect space rockets. Mm. That one's on hold. I, I told them, you know, I, I, I think the technology is there. Obviously, we have airlines using drones or saying they're using drones to inspect the airliners. So, you know, why not? Um, you know, the problem is there's going to be a lot, a lot of regulatory layers to this, and it's going to be expensive. It's not your regular 333. And I said, do you actually have a client that's paying you for this? And they said, no. I said, well, you know, why spend the money until, you know, you've got something in hand? And, you know, that actually applies for a number of different things. You know, if someone says, you know, I just want to start off with residential uh, photography, but, you know, why not get closed set and everything else? Um, you know, that may be something that's more than uh, they need to get into. I tell people that all the time. That's I kind of alluded to that in one of the questions earlier. It's like you know, oh, I just went out and spent fifty thousand on equipment, man. And I'm, you know, it's like, well, do you have any clients? No. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, before you go buying the, the uh, you know, all of the equipment, you might want to go out and, and and drum up a little business first, or go talk to people because you may not even be buying the right equipment. And then, like you said, you may not even be getting the right, you know, uh, let's say. Um, you know, uh, 333 exemption. So things to think about. Okay, so you're going to be a featured speaker at the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo, which is going to be great. It's going to be a real barn burner again this year. we got top-notch folks like yourself. Uh, is your presentation going to be expanding on these topics, or are you going to uh, be telling folks some other stuff without giving away your, your presentation? Well, yeah, well, we're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about basically – you know, the, the overall view, the, the 10,000 foot view of Section 333, see how it's changed and what our experience has been with it. And then we're going to talk about what it's been like for our clients, what their experience has been with operations. Uh, you know, and, and one example is the, 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 the burden with uh, constantly changing FAA rules. So we've got the airport rule, meaning you have to get a letter of agreement, uh, and suddenly they changed it. So you need a site specific COA plus a letter of agreement. So that's one aspect of it. And then I want to get into the local and state drone laws, which uh, Brendan Shulman of DJI uh, 
called it uh, whack-a-mole. So we've got these things popping up all over the place, including my hometown, uh, Chicago. So, for example, in Chicago, you could be arrested and have your, your drone seized and have a fine. And, and uh, the Chicago Park District says that they've got a – basically, they have a de facto ban. They, you have to be permitted, and if you don't have a permit, it's a $500 per day fine. Um, so we're going to talk about that and, and federal preemption. And then we're going to talk about examples of uh, clients getting into um, different things uh, that they needed after the 333. So um, COAs, uh, some clients, they need hundreds of COAs because they have lots of different uh, refineries, for example, or service contracts and intellectual property like trademarks and privacy and all kinds of neat stuff. And uh, you know, I'll say right there to people. I say, I you know, we we try and have top-notch folks like yourself. Uh, you know, just your presentations worth the price of admission alone. You know, that's 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 those are the tri- type of uh, try to bring to the community, which just circles back to us trying to uh, educate this community. And I'm going to ask uh, our co-host a question, Dalton. Did did you uh, did, what what did you learn today? Did you, did you pick anything up good here? Um, you know, it was just really interesting to hear it um, from someone that actually files the, you know, the 333 um, exemptions. I've done extensive research on them, and obviously we included, um, you know, kind of a brief synopsis of the, of the process on our app. Um, you know, so it was just really interesting to hear because I knew that it was such a long process, but um, to hear that you were filing in August and then, you know, they weren't even getting on the docket till November, that was pretty, yeah, that was pretty real. Well, that's, uh, that's what we're trying to do here is uh, bring, bring that all to light. Uh, now, uh, Jeff, could you please give us your website address so that folks listening to the show, if they, they decide they, uh, they're, they're all ready to sign up for the 333 exemption, where they could uh, get, get a hold of you or learn more information? Sure. The firm website is Antonelli-Law or Antonelli-Law.com. And you can poke around. The page is the, the drone slash UAS practice group. And if you want to type it in, it's Antonelli-Law.com slash drone underscore UAS underscore practice underscore group dot PHP, but I think Antonelli-Law.com will be good enough for most folks. Do you have a, a FAQ on that web page? Like I can go there and, you know, read it and weep kind of? Uh... <laughs> we do. Kind of. Uh, we've, we've, right. we've got that, and we've got details about the uh, – uh, the DJI Professional User Referral Program discount and, and other great things. Oh, yeah, we didn't even get into that. I hope you discuss some of that on, at the expo. But uh, we're out of time for this week. I want to thank you, uh, Jeff, for being on. Thank you, sir. And You're very uh, Dalton, thank, for ha- thank you for having me. Sure, sure. And Dalton, Thanks it was so nice much. having you on as co-host. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. Right. And you and you even learned something, so that was great. All right, well, good luck with that, uh, with that, and I'll uh, hopefully talk to both of you in the future. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. Bye, Patrick.